Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. It is 2020 and this is the first episode of the podcast to go out this year. I will be releasing a separate podcast doing a 2019 in review and a 2020 resolution piece. Uh, so I'll not get into it too much uh, in this introduction today. In this week's episode, I sat down with Dr. George Benjamin out of Berlin, Germany. George studied at the University of Warsburg in Germany and the University of Umia in Sweden, graduating in 2010. He started out as an associate dentist and since 2013 has been working as a general dentist with a special interest in endodontics. His work is focused on referral-based endo treatment and has a special interest in vital pulp therapies, which is uh, quite interesting. In 2015, he co-founded a dental blog, which is a, a digital collection of cases and dental topics to share experiences with like-minded people. Uh, the link for the blog is in the show notes, guys. He also launched an international clinical dental podcast called Dental Bonding at IDS in 2019, uh, which also I've linked to in the show notes if, for anyone who's interested in uh, checking that out. In this episode, we explore what dentistry is like in Germany, the challenges local dentists faced, and the future trends that George sees developing there. We also talk about his clinical interests, his plans for the future, and dive into his podcast and blog. For me, I love these episodes uh, where I get to talk to dentists from different parts of the world and connect their stories and their ideas with my audience, uh, which is you know largely based in Australia, the United States, and Canada. It is cool to talk to uh, dentists from different parts of the world. This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Henry Shine. Henry Shine is the leading distributor for dental practices in Australia with over 60,000 products covering from consumables, CAD CAM technology and equipment, laboratory and specialty fields. You can always rely on them to be your trusted business partners every step of the way. As always, if you've been enjoying the Newbie Dentist podcast, it would mean a lot to me if you can take some time, head over to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating. These ratings play a big part in helping the show get more organic exposure uh, for more and more people to find the episode and help the community grow. If you do have friends, classmates, and colleagues who you think will benefit from this interview or other episodes that I've done, please be sure to share that with them as well because I, I do try and give a lot of value in these interviews you know, based on the types of guests and types of topics that we cover. So the more people that can find these episodes and listen to them, the, the more contribution that we can have to the field, which is pretty, pretty special for me. Also, we have a webinar coming up for Foresight Dental on the 30th of January with myself, Dr. David Keir and Dr. Jesse Green. This is the new graduate accelerator webinar, which we talk about finding a job, accelerating at your job and how to make the most out of mentorship. Um, this is the first of its kind. So we're really excited for it. I hope you guys can join us because we're going to pack these three hours with a lot of content and we're going to have a Q and a session as well, where you can ask us questions and, uh, and hopefully we can give you some nuggets of information that will really um, help you avoid a lot of the mistakes that we made early on and to really get to where you want to get to a lot faster. So I hope you guys can find us there. You can check check out the webinar at foresightdental.com. That's the number four, S-I-G-H-T, dental.com. Without further delay, guys, I hope you guys enjoy this great interview with Dr. George Benjamin. Welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omerizami. 
Okay, so I'm here with Dr. George Benjamin, who is a dentist in Berlin, Germany, who is has kindly given up his uh, Sunday evening, Monday morning here for me in Australia to talk some dentistry, to talk about dentistry in, in Germany and what it's like. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into it and, and see what dentistry is like in, in your part of the world, George. So thank you for coming on. But actually, uh, some uh, people always tell me, go to, uh, the, <laughs> to the Netherlands because it's much better than Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so so george you're a, you're a podcaster yourself which i think it's it's nice to talk to another podcaster because you're kind of familiar with the whole process and the interviews and everything and we'll get into your podcast a little bit later on to have a chance to talk about it and see what your plans are and what your goals are for that normally how i like to start these things is uh, just with your origin story so give us your background you know why you chose to do dentistry in the first place where you went to dental school and we'll kind of take things from there okay oh uh, actually i um The, uh, the question yeah. I get a lot, uh, asked a lot by patients as well, why did I choose dentistry and everything? And um, I recently thought about it because one of the reasons yeah. was uh, I want to be self-employed later on, want to be my own boss. Funnily, I haven't opened my, uh, yeah. my own office yet. So <laughs> I kind of had to work on it. But I'm uh, 2010 graduated in, of the University of Würzburg. I kind of move, had to move from pretty much north of Germany to the south of Germany to study there. It was really nice university because later on I realized that uh, one of the heads also of the conservative department is like a big uh, thing in a German aesthetic composites and uh, when I came back actually to Berlin I realized that the Berlin trained dentists um, It really had a different training uh, yeah. because uh, actually officially German universities are all the same, but in the uh, composite way, it were completely trained uh, differently because, for example, at uh, Professor Kleiber, we only yeah. have uh, had to use sectional matrices, no <laughs> Toffelmeyer and everything. We would have, would have been kicked out of the course if we weren't. And I really had a great doctor at the university called um, Stefan Fickel. He's really great at PA oh, surgery yeah, nice. and actually also did a roadshow in Australia last year. And yeah, really good lecture and everybody wanted to be a periodontist, actually. <laughs> But yeah. in Germany, we have to kind of do uh, something like a GPR program, which is mandatory to get your um, uh, okay. license uh, to charge the public uh, health insurance. And since uh, over 90% of the uh, uh, offices in Germany are using the public health insurance, uh, it's, it's kind of a thing to do. And when I was in Berlin, I kind of was surprised by the level of quality here. Uh, not that it would have been this, uh, <laughs> any different in South Germany, but I kind of wanted to use just rubber dam and do good composites. And the thing with rubber dam was really uh, uh, tricky. And uh, since Berlin is yeah. kind of really competitive environment for newbie dentists, especially because if you don't have any experience, you're really, really yeah. bottom line of the uh, list in every um, talk with a dentist. <laughs> but I managed to find a job, quit it after four weeks. <laughs> And then, <laughs> because uh, so it, it was uh, just terrible. And then I kind of found an office. It was a kind of a, a suburb of uh, Berlin or yeah. even outside of Berlin, but the public transport was still bringing me there. And I had yeah. two very nice years with a rubber dam and everything how I wanted. Okay. And kind of realized that periodontics is not my thing, it's endodontics. Uh, I had a really nice boss who's like also very yeah. endodontic and found out that my two hands are made for it. 
you know, the thing is uh, the transition. If you stay in the same office and you were the newbie dentist and now become a bit experienced, you know, there's some, what do you call it? Uh, some vibes in the air where I knew I couldn't stay yeah. there forever. Although he just purchased a yeah. microscope even. Uh, but of course he wanted <laughs> to use it by himself to get the experiment. Like, okay, <laughs> great. So I kind of uh, moved to another office. The idea was, uh, for example, I had two nice interviews. Uh, one was uh, like a basically endodontic office, uh, but they couldn't offer me a full-time position. And the other one was like a CEREC, a very general dentistry uh, office. Yeah. The idea was to kind of uh, work in both offices. But actually it turned out that the CEREC office, okay. like the general office, uh, someone promised me too much. So I had a talk with the endodontic office and yeah. she'll have some other jobs for me to do there. And basically wow, okay. this was seven yeah. years ago. Nine years a dentist now, <laughs> uh, uh, so I can even give uh, advices to newbies. <laughs> it's a fun thing due to the podcast uh, I do in Germany. I give a lot of advices yeah. because uh, some people reach out to me as they reach out to you probably. Yeah, and that's my dental origin story. Now I'm kind of uh, even moved into teaching uh, a bit for GC and uh, for some basic yeah. teaching programs of the dental chamber. So it's an interesting time right now. That's awesome. So so that's a lot there. So tell me a little bit about your first job that you were at for four weeks. What what didn't you what did you not like about that that made made you move on so quickly? Uh, for example, discussions about bite wings. <laughs> <laughs> really, um, she thought, no, we can't even charge the public health system bite wings. I'm like, of course we can. It's yeah. here. And it was just like the quality was really bad. And you know, at the beginning, you really pumped and you want to do something. And I really uh, knew that she's just like pushing me down. Yeah. And then it was natural to just quit because uh, I mean, that's a usually advice I give everyone in Berlin. Uh, if, if the job sucks, quits. Yeah. Don't wait for the new one uh, to come. Um, and I kind of even had to struggle to find the new one for two months i was unemployed and yeah. although we don't have any student debt it's yeah. sucks. <laughs> uh, after university um, i mean the last half year is basically just uh, exams so you can't work uh, yeah. or do any student jobs so i really had to struggle to um, uh, find the office but sometimes being stubborn pays off yeah and it's important to be patient to to wait for the right opportunity again right because you don't want to rush from one job to another job and then you don't like that second job and then you got to do the whole thing again so i think it's important to take some time to to think about it and see what you can find tell me a little bit about that gpr sort of mandatory program that you have to do after dental school is that something that's done through the public like hospitals or is it you you get a job in a practice and you just work under supervision or how does that work uh, well, you basically have to get a job. And I mean, we're working under sup sup supervision. That's the idea. Um, uh, uh, in the first year, you're not supposed to work alone. Uh, there's also has, has to be the dentist, the owner on site. But actually, in the real world, uh, you know, I started in summer and of course, everybody was gone for three oh. weeks of summer leave. <laughs> and I wasn't the person who was supposed to be like, well, due to the regulations, this is not allowed. So it's kind of pretty much easy to get this GPR. There are no regulation or anything. It used to be stricter, but um, after two years, you had to kind of buy your own office as well. Yeah. But because there wasn't any type of, uh, you couldn't employ a, a dentist, uh, this is easily, it was very restricted to market, even like the areas where you have to want to build an office were restricted. Okay. For example, in Berlin, out of the 
11 districts, only two had the opportunity for open offices. So it was before 2005. So some people, uh, even, or some dentists, some autism could sell their shitty office just for the, um, the public health yeah. <laughs> permit. But that's uh, all long gone. And right now we're even like seeing that the dental change are chains are coming. Okay. That uh, some people have five offices, which was basically impossible for any dentist to think of 15 years ago. Yeah. So it's become sort of a free market now. You don't need those permits to, you can just open wherever you want. You can open uh, wherever you want. Actually, when you, for example, if you talk to one dentist, you like the area, you just can open it uh, next door. <laughs> Since you know when he's uh, gonna retire, yeah. <laughs> so the patient might want care. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So you mentioned that the the dentistry, a lot of it is with the with the national like public healthcare. So so I know that from the medical side of things. So I guess it's public. So patients don't see like pay to go to the to the hospitals and see the doctors. Is that right? Yeah, it's basically right. In dentistry, it's a bit uh, different because. Um, Basically, basic things are free. Yeah, the first visit, x-rays, pain treatment, even some basic crown and bridge or removable, basically free or can be free, but the patient can choose to upgrade. And okay. uh, usually, I mean, if they don't want an amalgam filling in the posterior, uh, they upgrade to a composite and then they kind of get the reimbursement from the uh, insurance, which is maybe 50 euro for a free surface filling, wow. which would amalgam filling and we can upgrade kind of and that's usually how it works and you know from the business side of things you always try to find something so the patient's coming to the upgrade yeah so are there are there any practices that are like fully private that don't accept like say if you want to do like cosmetics and you're just doing you know veneers or high-end kind of restorative dentistry are you allowed to not accept the the national health cover or you have to kind of use that you can uh, uh, choose to open your, your completely private uh, clinic or office. That's uh, possible. And uh, the thing in Germany is that we have an, uh, two systems, like the public uh, healthcare system and we have a, even a private healthcare system. So about 10 or 15% of the German patients are in the private uh, healthcare. Yeah. And we had, uh, do have completely different plans. So you can uh, make your own private clinic which is fine. But actually, everybody is recommending the opposite, that you have get your health insurance and you still can work your high end. You can still choose due to marketing and whatever you want, your patients, yeah. and <clears throat> basically up to your own. Of course, there are some rules. You can't reject a patient in pain. Um, yeah, And uh, basically, the patient has a right to always choose public health care filling the amalgam but you know it is some people just come to you if for the composite filling or for the certain treatment you offer but we have a lot of dentists who are just working purely in the public system and don't take any extra money or anything yeah and uh, sometimes I don't know how they manage, but uh, it wouldn't be my ideal way of working. That's tough. You know, it's interesting because so in, in Canada, for example, it's dentistry is like pretty much all private. There's there's yeah. a little bit of public for like for children and like some seniors. And in similar in Australia, we have a full like I think it's some more like similar to Germany because we have a full public system, a full private system. 
And then there's a little bit of overlap again for like for kids that can come to the private side and get some treatment that's covered. So it's interesting in different parts of the world how there's like different types of ratios and and how the public health cover is kind of integrated. I think in Canada right now there's there's some talk going on for like you know there's the the, the elections and stuff are coming up. So they're like, oh, we're gonna make dentistry public, and, and so a lot of dentists are a little bit nervous because you know like you said if the if the fees come down if they're covered with public it's, it's tough to provide like you know really you know good treatment take your time and do the whole rubber dam and everything um, if you're only getting reimbursed like 50 dollars or 50 euros because it's tough to cover your expenses and stuff that way uh, another interesting thing you were telling me in the in the pre-interview was that there's no endodontist in in germany as a as a as a specialty how, how is that how's that happen <laughs> um Yeah, we don't have that. We have, uh, I think in Germany, you have three overseas trained, uh, really endodontists and the rest of them are basically self-trained. I mean, we have like, um, not a chamber like the AEE, like, uh, the German endodontic society who have, yeah. of course, their own specialty, not really program. We have to make a really hard test there to be an official specialist. But it's not like especially programs like uh, that you're doing uh, three years postgrad anywhere. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, since we are in the European Union, for example, Great Britain still in the European yeah. Union, <laughs> has some specialties. I think Spain and even Poland and some other. You know, there's a law if um, basically two thirds of all the member countries have something like uh, this specialty. German has to do it uh, as well because then it's for the whole EU. And yeah. but there's still two countries kind of missing on the list. Yeah. So Germany doesn't have to do it. And basically in the 50s, after the war, when they um, kind of uh, reverbed dental system, they wanted to have like the general dentist who can do all. We only have all surgery as specialty and also a specialty. Yeah. And there's one county in Germany who has like a periodontist as specialty and even one uh, different like Brandenburg, which is the neighboring county of Berlin, has like the general uh, dentistry as a kind of specialty, mm -hmm. but that's it. And that's a good thing that everybody can kind of choose his own specialty. And even it's so that um, even general dentists can do awful and even charge the public healthcare system with awful. But uh, the other hand, when you're doing just awful and you're a specialist, you're not allowed to charge general dentistry. Okay, interesting. <laughs> But the awful guys are, are the ones who are earning the most in Germany, so it's fine. Yeah. So in terms of, say, within Europe, Uh, from from our end of things, I mean, we're we're outsiders looking in. So we see like the Scandinavian countries have a seems to have like a pretty high standard of like dental care. Maybe not so like the UK and stuff. Traditionally, it's been pretty bad, his like reputation wise, because of the you know NHS public and uh, just amalgams and things. What's it like? Do you think in Germany right now is like the average level of dentistry that the general dentist is doing? And because I know you're on Instagram and you're pretty active in the dental community, so you see the other stuff that people are doing around the world. Uh, how would you compare like the level of dentistry in Germany right now compared to the rest of the countries? Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, actually, I studied uh, one semester in Sweden in Umeå, yeah. so <laughs> I kind of know the level. They're really good in preventive, like everything which is uh, fluorides and everything. They're really, really strong, isn't it? They're really strong in endodontics. Yeah. But for example, the general thing in uh, Sweden is uh, pretty much basic, but it's because it's more public healthcare service driven. For example, you don't get paid for extra hours you're spending on the patient. So at mm. five, the office is closing and you're closing. Yeah. And it's only 
you don't have uh, like a dentist to open offices, usually clinics who are run by someone else. Okay. And that's the advantage in Germany. We basically used to have, because now the chains are coming, just a single uh, operator offices who can, uh, kind of had a high standard. Yeah, you can say. And even like, uh, of all, we are, Germany was never really good on the preventive side. We are increasing uh, quite a lot. So the level is good. Is it perfect when you look at Instagram? No, for example, uh, we have not a lot of dentists in Germany who can hold up to the Instagram level. Let's be honest. Uh, mm -hmm. The picture uh, sites is not very strong because usually they work a lot and don't have time for pictures. Uh, busy, all the, yeah. <laughs> the busy things. So that's kind of sad that international, where we have some known dentists, but compared to other countries with their specialties, we're kind of behind right now. Okay, interesting. And so tell me, what's your, what's your average week at work? I know you do a lot of endo at work, but um, how many patients do you see roughly per day? Like what's the, uh, how busy are, like okay, what's the, that's, the life? That's not the German average. Uh, usually yeah. uh, I work from Monday to Tuesday. That's the day before Friday, right? Uh, Thursday, no. yeah. Thursday, I always mix them up, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, <laughs> since all my endo sessions are two hours, uh, for example, it could be that tomorrow I'm just having four patients yeah. and it's all two hours of endo sessions. Yeah. So uh, sometimes in between, there's like a feral I have to talk to, but that's it. Uh, I also have a passion for composite, everything direct dentistry. So actually doing endodontic under the microscope is a bit automatically doing a lot of restorative work, like the pre-endodontic treatments, but yep. the seal is good for the rubber dam and everything. So my average week is I don't see a lot of patients. I usually have long sessions even doing composite direct fillings. I kind of book 60 to 90 minutes depending on the case. Yeah, Probably next week I even have like black triangle uh, thing. For these cases, I book two and a half hours and maybe half an hour as a repolishing appointment. Yeah, And that's my usual day. I really used to do more indirect But I kind of, due to the referral, endodontic referrals, I usually don't have time for that, which yeah. is nice. <laughs> But, you know, in my office, there are um, also my boss started a lot of in the endodontics, basically. But she kind of saw that I have the talent for it. So she Besides moved it to, <laughs> to the big case dentistry. Yeah. And um, we also have uh, two other dentists who are basically a bit general dentists, but the one is also uh, really good under the scope. So mm -hmm. that's basically my week. Uh, 4D week is really nice for lecturing. That's nice, yeah. And I rarely see uh, more than 10 patients a day. Yeah, But it's not the average. Uh, I know some dentists or friends see at least 40 in 40. the mornings. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if it, like the roller skate dentists. That's crazy. Four chairs just running around. <laughs> But you know, you always have to decide what kind of dentistry you want. Uh, some people make their hourly rate by just seeing a lot of patients. Yeah. Uh, and then usually... Sometimes it sucks because some of the patients end up in the endontic uh, uh, office because there some there was never done a bite ring or anything. Yeah. So uh, the decay uh, got huge and everybody's surprised. And yeah. then they try to start an endontic treatment, but no rubber dam on. And of course, if it's like a 
big MOD cavity, mm-hmm. the buckle or palatinal breaks away. And these are the cases I see sometimes, which kind of makes me sad because I was like, just some ways and this would be safe. Yeah. But of course, I only see the bad cases. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I, I agree with you. I, I, I see that as a, you know, I've been working for a couple of years and you start to, see what you like and you what you don't like and that volume of dentistry I, I really don't enjoy that if you're if you're just seeing like a lot of patients just to kind of do like simple procedures over and over over again just to try and build it up I, i'd much rather have your schedule where you're you're booking like three or four patients and spending two three hours like two hours with each one Yeah, sometimes I even listen to a different podcast where a dentist i'll be like yeah yeah and uh, you get faster and you get faster i'm like <laughs> no, don't get fast and fast, of course. Uh, in certain things, for example, I think you talked in one podcast about uh, uh, this as well, how to manage the patients. Don't t- tell them too much, just the basic, and they're usually fine with it. They don't care about like the little details, the little uh, side canals, whatever, or yeah. what uh, obturation technique uh, I use. <laughs> don't care about that. Yeah. But I think it was episode 20-something <laughs> for your listeners yeah. <laughs> ages ago. Yeah. And um, and that's a thing you probably have to learn. What I really uh, appreciate in my office is like we have right now three rooms just for um, talking with the patients with no dental chair and stuff. Okay, like a consult room. Yeah. yeah, consult room. Actually, that's where the money is really made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. the patient is so relaxed and uh, I love talking to uh, rooms. I just show some pictures how it should look. And yeah. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's interesting because in, in Canada, when I was working, almost every practice had a consult room. Uh, it was like a very really? standard. It was like, it was just like a model, like any practice that was being built more modern would have one. Um, I haven't seen it too much here in Australia, but I know obviously it's some of the bigger practices that do a lot of the more high end stuff will definitely have it. Cause I think it's, there's a lot of value in having that separate room where you can bring someone in a nice, relaxed, non-clinical sort of environment to have those conversations with them. So tell me a little bit about your podcast, uh, your teaching. I know you said you do some rubber dam stuff and you've been in the podcast for a little while. You're about like 40, 50, 40, 50 episodes in. So I, I know it's mostly in German, but I think you do a little bit in English as well. Is that right? Yeah, uh, I just focus on the uh, English part. For example, I'm kind of in the Vibe community since you're now in Australia, you yeah. know, Lincoln Harris. Yeah, uh, really nice. Yeah, and for example, I interviewed uh, Mindu Gauss Kondelis, okay. a really cool uh, dentist who's really good in direct posterior. Mm-hmm. That was, and this kind of was a podcast before he kind of took off with his international lecturing. Yeah, even like since Marcek Chevinsky, who's like big in the Tomorrow Tooth group, but also at Vibe. Um, I interviewed him before he did a course in Berlin and it was kind of cool because uh, with the podcast, we managed to book 50% more persons. Wow, I mean, it was right? a really small group, but uh, four people just came just because of the podcast with him. Yeah. Um, uh, and this way, the course probably could even be uh, done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> told me if even if it's just two bookings he will do it anyway because he's just like doing for the fun part yeah and you know doing the ids i did some podcasts for gc which was really cool for example stefan borrett uh joseph sabak uh mario vivas cardoso a lot of cool guys in the um, i wouldn't say just gc universe but uh, in the dental european world uh, i could interview them about it was a bit a little bit uh, product based yeah, yeah. 
but which was fine because the IDS is all about new products and it was quite uh, exciting to, for example to talk to the professor to kind of who kind of invented glass fiber with forced co composite that's very cool yeah and actually I think uh, this way is the dentists who are listening to it not only know what are the new products but even like for example Of course, you're fans of certain products. Some, everybody has different products who they love. Yeah. And uh, they had the opportunity to be really an expert in these products as well. Mm -hmm. And I call this a podcast channel, Dental Bonding. Yeah. Actually, there's a, a podcasting incubator by Alan Mead, who founded the Dental Hacks. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a Facebook group. Okay. Um, <laughs> Not very active, but uh, nice. Next yeah. year, someone suggested the name Dental Bonding and gave it away if anyone wants it. And I'm like, yeah. what's fun? <laughs> yeah, right now, it's still a bit GC branded because it was, uh, I just started it for the IDS International Channels. Well, I had with my German podcast this international content already. Yeah. So uh, it was even easier for the listener to like put it, the English stuff just in the English part. Yeah. And yeah, and since I was also at the Root Summit in Berlin last year, which is an international Facebook group as well. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to do a podcast with Jenna Agatha from Guatemala. Last time on the podcast, I said Honduras. Sorry, yeah. Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, since uh, and that's uh, the um, kind of... Uh, um, lineup for the lecturing business jenna even like secretly invited me in his lecture he because he did something about popotomy of permanent teeth yeah he was more like partial popotomy uh, thing but he knew that i have uh, also doing full popotomies mm -hmm. for example you probably every dentist knows the tooth where you see it on the x-ray and it's going to be endo for sure yeah yeah And you know, it's probably a vital tooth and it kind of sucks. But if you do, would do a direct pulp capping, it wouldn't work for sure. Mm. I mean, usually every young dentist tries, every old dentist <laughs> as well, but it fails uh, in yeah. 50% of it. Yeah. And the idea basically is uh, just that uh, you just remove a part of the pulp, which is maybe the affected part, uh, put something cool like an MTA, biodentine, whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. You call it, we call it total fill, you call it, uh, what's it? American word of it, like the like the bioceramics, bioceramics, yeah. yeah, and it works pretty good actually. Mm -hmm. And that's also one thing I'm lecturing in Germany: popotomy of permanent teeth. Uh, in the beginning, I called it vital pulp therapy, but it was a bit how do you call it? it sounded too scientific for yeah. the general office. Although the whole popotomy thing is a pure thing for the general office, yeah. And the fun thing about the popotomy thing is it, it was our pain treatment in the office where I did my GPR. Mm -hmm. We just did cases of irreversible popitis or popitis, just a full popotomy, mm -hmm. put something, uh, a medication on it, which is fairly popular in uh, Germany. It's called Ledamix. It's yeah, in, we have it in Australia too. Yeah. Oh, you you have odontopest as well. Without the, uh, yeah, without I think Ledamix is like, well, it, it's not used that much anymore, but I remember in dental school that, They, they taught it to us and it was like it was like the thing that everyone used maybe like like 10 20 years ago it was like the like number one option and now a short ad break from our sponsors henry shine has a complete endodontic solution for your practice their vast range of products include everything from diagnosis right through to retreatment with brands you can trust like merida coltine edge endo comet and septodont you are guaranteed to find everything you need interested in learning more about endo Henry Shine also runs hands-on courses throughout the year in Australia, and you can find more information about these courses and products on offer at their website, www.henryshine.com.au. Again, that's www.henryshine.com.au.
Back to the interview. Mm. Yeah. Actually, uh, there's now apparently new data which uh, recommends it again. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, due to the uh, steroids inside, everybody was like, well, it could mask the symptoms. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, we are now, actually, it's good. Let's say, Matthew, for example, yeah. <laughs> your skin, of course, you get some steroids on it. Yeah. <laughs> it will go away. Why not uh, in dentistry? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, one thing I really like to do. And for example, for the next course, uh, I really managed to like do a workshop. I got four different, not really sponsors because the dental chamber is independent, mm -hmm. but four different company who gave me their MTA, okay, which nice. is quite cool. Yeah. For example, Angelos. So I called talk to the boss on the IDS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me the material, which was uh, quite funny. Zeptodont is really great people with biodentine were like oh yeah of course we support you mm -hmm. and there's actually also a really cheap company uh, for mta it's called sacramate from poland okay mta on the german market but not active in the usa and probably not in australia yeah but 80 countries all over the world and we also have a nice mta i used for quite some time and that's One of my things besides rubber dam isolation, actually, it's kind of uh, funny. It was also do my dream to do rubber dam uh, isolation courses like yeah. Stefan Borrett. And uh, actually, the past uh, three courses were fully booked nice. just by Berlin. Yeah. So, which, uh, quite nice. I, I thought it would be a really hard sell. And the third thing is I'm doing, I'm working uh, also, I actually, I moved up as a, just not uh, opinion leader, so key opinion leader. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, a lot of things happening. I, yeah, yeah. It's uh, actually, I mean, it's not official, but I can say that no, yeah. there's a uh, restorative advisory board mm. by GC Europe, and they are like, and have 10 members from all over Europe who like discuss the newest products before we even come to the market. And uh, this year, I will be the first German dentist on it for quite some time. Amazing. So, Yeah, that's exciting. So yeah. I'm gonna get to fly to Budapest. Actually, <laughs> I just booked uh, flights for Budapest. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, kind of my thing right now. Doing It's some direct composite courses. Yeah. yeah, rubber dam direct composite. So what's what's the ideal? Like, what's your plan for the next like five years? What's your ideal case of where you want things to go? Um, really, I'm, since I'm kind of just as associate in office, I probably have to think about getting my own office somehow. It's really like. Um, what do you call it? Yeah, a bit, big topic right now in my life. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, well, uh, when you see some people who are lecturing, uh, for example, Jason Smithson, yeah, who, these guys are just basically working just three days a week and doing the lecturing business. Yeah. So I'm still not sure. On the other hand, Jason Smithson was just kicked out of his office. He's been for 20 years. Oh, really? Yeah, um, really kind of, you can say, I, I don't know the details, but basically kicked out, I would say, and he had to get a new job and also some other dentists were kicked out. So actually, when you think about it, that you kind of depend also on recalls, that the people in the lecture want to see how does it look five years from yeah, now or ten right. years from now. Uh, and that's probably you have more secure thing for this recall, right? If you have your own office, yeah. uh, uh, since the people, Patients are kind of lazy. They don't want to travel through Berlin. Probably, and I'm yeah. basically living in the North Berlin and practicing in the South Berlin. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, actually, I talked to some uh, people lately. And of course, one is a, a dental chain who wants mm -hmm. to open a, an endodontic department as well. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, I would be the, uh, leading the endodontic department, but I would be the only <laughs> endodontist <laughs> there. But uh, what kind of 
and not really holding me back. Uh, it's an interesting opportunity, but we only see like, okay, we need an endodontist. This is an endodontist, great. But we don't mm -hmm. see the restorative part I'm also interested in yeah. because we think in other dimensions and maybe a smaller office is a better place. So let's see. Uh, something has to change this year for yeah. sure. I think that's a, I mean, since you said early on that one of the reasons you got into dentistry was to be your own boss and, and not work mm -hmm. for somebody. I think, I know it's, I know it's a bit of a financial risk and an investment and things to open your own practice and spend the money on the chairs and the fit out and everything. Uh, but I think long-term you'll, you'll be happy that you did. So I, I would certainly, from my end of things, encourage you to do your own practice and build your own thing up. So. All these podcasts are so encouraging to open your <laughs> own office. Uh, actually, sometimes I think, why don't we interview the failures? <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> no, hey, but, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, you know, trying to just surround yourself with positive people, right? Because if, if people are positive around you, it encourages you to do you know better things. If you're just around negative people all day and they say, no, don't do it, don't do this, or dentistry is not good, uh, it affects what you do too. So um, I'll, I'll send you some positive, uh, positive energy and, and encourage you to, to go for it. Yeah. No, actually, uh, I mean, Berlin is a very competitive, competitive market. We have some good dentists here and the dental saturation is huge. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, someone even told me that its uh, situation is bigger than in Manhattan, although right. I think there are not so many dentists in <laughs> Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> But I heard uh, in Switzerland and some cities it's even worse, like Zürich, for example. Mm -hmm. It's, it's probably the harder, one of the hardest markets uh, in the world. Yeah. But of course, everybody says it's the hardest Everyone market. I, 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 I remember yeah. Omar, who was in Dubai, he's yeah. also like competitive here. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, any big city around the world, I think. I thought like Toronto was very bad. Uh, Melbourne's obviously saturated. I don't think there's any big city around the world now that it's, it's not saturated, right? So you have to, I guess, find your your differentiating factor. And I think for you, it's going to be like, you know, high end endo, high end restorative, and just have to just spend the time to market it, I guess, and, and take the time to build it up by reputation. It just takes a little bit of time. But the thing is, I mean, is there really a market for high end composite dentistry? I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure yet. I have to try it out by myself. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's important for patients. And I think, I don't know, it's going to hopefully swing around because right now, even in Australia, everything's okay. Let's, let's do cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. So pe people mm. just want to find the cheapest option and just pay the less price. But I think it, it's important to like not treat dentistry. It's not like you're buying like a bottle of water. It's not, it's not going to be all the same. You have to, I think patients will realize eventually that there's good dentists and bad dentistry. Like not every filling is the same. So hopefully it just takes time and you just got to build the education and the awareness. And then people will realize, okay, if I'm, I get what I pay for, if I pay a little bit extra, I might get a better, longer lasting filling done or endo done or whatever it is. Uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, so far it's kind of worked out, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's actually I just thought about the matrixing course I did with uh, Maciek Chabinski. Yeah. <laughs> and when I think about what all can go wrong in direct dentistry just with the matrix in part. For example, yeah. if you're using a scope in direct dentistry, it's awful. Yeah. It's hard to see or why is it, why is it awful? No, actually, uh, I mean, oh, thing you is, see example, too much. <laughs> you see too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or just, sorry, for example, my own brother, I, uh, in the GPR program, I did some fillings with him and I'm like, okay, it's under the rubber dam. It's really good adhesive seam, OptiBond FL. Yeah. Perfect. 
And I, four years later, I did, did a bite ring. I'm like, oh no, second Eric D. Okay, right. Oh. That's why I really checked this time with the scope, the fit of the matrix. Yeah. And you're really surprised sometimes how bad the fit is, how much still fluids are coming up, although the isolation is okay. Yeah. So it kind of improved my isolation as well. And mm. uh, the matrixing was still an issue. But, um, well, Facebook helps a lot of it. And uh, yeah. I also, the interesting thing, you are all so much on Instagram and say the Instagram family is so great. I'm like, okay, the Facebook family is much better sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think so? Um, yeah, okay. For example, if you're in groups like Wipe, um, yeah. We have a really high level, even on general dentistry things. And for example, um, since I follow some hashtags on Instagram, of course, it's easier to follow things on Instagram. But for example, under the rubber dam hashtag, where sometimes some some cases I would be like, I wouldn't post that. <laughs> and even like in the local world, uh, Dentist Berlin, uh, uh, something like that, I'm like, really, guys? Yeah. You can't post that on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sometimes the ego of the dentist is so big that uh, they probably uh, won't care. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, in Facebook, we are so used to this composite porn. So that's yeah. an pretty much average filling without uh, tinting. tinting. <laughs> it looks very bad. <laughs> but I like it. I think, yeah, I mean, Facebook, I, I try and go on Facebook a little bit as well. I'm not as active on there, but I, I see the value, even if it's not perfect, you know, because I, I think it's important to like document your work. I think it helps you improve, right? So, it takes, if you're brave enough to post it, if it's not perfect, then you get some feedback and then you're like, okay, next time I'll, I'll get better. I think it's just important to have like good feedback. Cause I think on Facebook, when I go, sometimes I see a lot of like negative, negative comments and stuff. Yeah. But that's a good thing about Ripe. Seriously. Yeah. Um, at Ripe, the admins are very strict with the rules and mm. a criticism is allowed, but it has to uh, not be negative criticism. So <laughs> if you're really like, it's so bad, I can't yeah. believe you. It's like, that's, that's the comments on Style Italiano sometimes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That's they funny comment. Like, yeah. there, people will comment like, I would never do that or like... <laughs> mm. It's funny, oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes I posted cases, uh, for example, of Popotomy, what people didn't know. Oh, called it patient immediately and do the endo it won't work i'm like yes <laughs> like i'm gonna listen to you from uh whatever you come from and call the patient yeah, yeah. but it's interesting you always said that the instagram uh, world is so positive i actually saw that too a lot of the instagram comments are so nice but i was like okay it could be create a bubble yeah <laughs> maybe think? yeah that could so be a problem so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it, maybe it's nice to get some bad comments to once in a while just to to make sure everything's Actually, not too I, artificial. In some cases, I kind of was I wanted to be the devil's advocate and kind <laughs> of not really give a bad comment. I'm like, uh, what do you think about the neighboring tooth? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or what do you think about this? Uh, and some people are like, oh, you don't know the full case and everything. Like, well then share the full case yeah but that's uh, the thing if i'm so used to ripe and the full case protocol that i'm sometimes forget it <laughs> yeah no that's that's pretty cool that um you know right because you know lincoln harris is an australian dentist so it's cool that he's mm. got such a global kind of reach now and people know about him and know about ripe and everything so i mean 70,000 dentists in this group are probably dentists yeah uh, it's crazy that's great now he's, he's done uh, he's done really well hopefully actually I, I should actually try and get him on the podcast that'd be a pretty exciting uh, interview so 
So thank you for, for coming on. I know we covered a lot of topics. I just want to, maybe if you send me the, the links to your podcast and stuff, I'll put it in the show notes for anyone listening who wants maybe a, a fresh perspective or a European perspective of what's going on around the world. For me, I, it's pretty cool because I'm lucky enough and I take a lot of pride that I get a lot of kind of interviews from or a lot of downloads from around the world. So obviously the, the majority of the listeners are like Canadian and American and Australian, but there's a lot of UK and Germany and, and Dubai and Egypt and like around the world. So it's pretty, pretty exciting. So it's fun for me. Actually, to, India is kind of strong. India yeah. is very strong. Yeah, so there's a lot of people who are hungry for information, and I think it's it's a unique opportunity. So I, I just want to thank you for coming on to to chat with you, to chat with another podcaster, uh, a, a newly crowned uh, key opinion leader. For some, so it's, uh, <laughs> so it's exciting for me. <laughs> it sounds better than it is. <laughs> but we just keep everyone uh, thinking about the title, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's a nice goal to achieve. It took me quite some time, actually. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a that's it should be a goal for anyone who wants to get into lecturing and stuff. I think it's a nice uh, nice thing to aim for. So how I like to end these things is a bit of a rapid fire, rapid fire. just to make things fun. <laughs> so, so tell me, what's your what's your favorite pizza topping? Oh, actually, mushroom. Mushrooms. Okay. What's your favorite tooth to work on? Mm, okay, I have to differentiate. Uh, in direct, I really love the premolars, upper premolars. Uh, in endos, I really love, of course, uh, the first molars. The They're upper great. first, yeah. Yeah. So you like to go looking for the MB2. Yeah, MB2, MB3, terrible Three, what you find oh, sometimes. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me this stuff. I don't want to know. <laughs> MB3. Uh, what's your favorite musician or artist uh, or band? Oh, I love uh, hip hop. Uh, so I have to think about it internationally because lately I'm only German, listening to German hip hop. Yeah. Um, oh, terrible. No, it's just say my favorite one. It's Materia. Yeah. It's a German rapper. German rapper? Okay. I'll have to check out his music. Uh, what's, what's like one profession? Like, what profession would you be in if you weren't uh, in dentistry? Actually, um, oh, what are you called? Um, Yeah, probably carpenter business uh, would be an option because yeah. we also have cat cam and everything yeah and uh, the other idea was to kind of uh, do study like um, of course uh, computer programming in combination with uh, electronics so i can build my own things and just sell them on kickstarter and move yeah. to, to this project yeah that'd be fun uh, it's funny because i think carpentry is a It's almost like dentistry without the, the biology side of it. So it's fun to just, <laughs> I, I always, sometimes I, when I have like a bad day at work, I'm like, oh, I wish I was just like a carpenter, like building chairs and tables and stuff. I don't have to worry about the like flare ups and <laughs> patient issues. So what's one procedure in dentistry that kind of makes you question your career choice? Actually, it's when a patient comes with pain on the implant. Pain on the implant. And yeah. Yeah, and I really, since I never placed an implant, I only removed five. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I even tell the patients that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and for example, when my boss is like, yeah, it could be abutment or just a screw. I'm like, really? I don't mm -hmm. want to see these patients. I yeah. don't care about <laughs> implant problems. Yeah. It's interesting. I was, I was interviewing a couple of endodontists um, in Australia uh, yesterday, uh, Mehdi Rahimi and Mark Johnston. So they were saying it's that pendulum of, you know, everyone was really quick to extract and do implants maybe five, 10 years ago. It's kind of swinging back again now because we're starting to see a little bit more failures and things to try and save more teeth now. So it's funny how the, uh, the philosophy kind of goes back and forth a little bit. 
Perfect. So thank you for, for coming on. It was a great chat. It was nice to meet you finally and, and have the opportunity to talk to you and ask you some questions and, and get some more insight onto the, the German sort of dental market and the dental scene there. So uh, I'll be following your work and I'm excited to kind of see what, you, what you're doing in the next little bit. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. I'm honored to be probably the first German dentist on the podcast. For sure. <laughs> I hope the German accent was not as bad. No, no, it'll be fun. It'll be fun uh, to do the editing for sure. So, Actually, uh, the Dental Hacks podcast usually have like a clinical hack of the week. You can send them something and yeah. I usually send them a couple ones and <laughs> they already know that. Oh, it's the German again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the German is back. <laughs> awesome. German's thanks. Back. Thanks for, uh, for coming on, George. Appreciate it.